what I give, what I dare, just to live one Welcome to episode 220 of Canada's Pinball Podcast. I'm your host, Canada. It's a Saturday morning. I'm out of coffee and I need to take Bubba to the vet in about an hour because he needs to get his shots. It's going to cost me like a grand, I bet. Um, on this episode, it's going to be a little bit of a shorter one. I want to talk about, we'll do some pinball news. We'll do some of your mail that's been coming in. I've been delinquent on that. And we'll talk quickly about um, Ryan C's visit. So let's start with Ryan C. It was great having him here in New York. Uh, we went to Sunshine afterwards, and we played a bunch of Houdini. And then Ryan went on to do League Night, and I bailed because I, I I don't want to play pinball League Night to like 10, 11 at night. It's just it's just not my thing. The guys were having fun, and I was out the door. We played more Houdini. It was set up better this time. The catapult worked every single time. Uh, the game is the game is still brutal. It is still brutal. I had some games where uh, my ball times were 51 seconds for three balls. 51 second total play time for three balls. It's also because Peter at Sunshine has those games set up really hard. There's absolutely no ball save. And if there's a game that needs a ball save, it's Houdini. Because when the ball goes into play, it can go in the out lanes or down the middle pretty damn quickly. All right? Uh, I'm just going to say this. Uh, I think Houdini at seven thousand dollars is 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 a lot of value. It is. There's a lot going on there. There are there things in the game when you have them next to newer titles that really really don't hold up. Of course there are. Of course there are. Uh, I think my big issue with Houdini is I just don't feel like I can progress through the game. I feel like the difficulty of the game itself makes it really hard for me to feel like I'm making any progress. You know when I when I went from we went from Houdini to dialed in to Guardians of the Galaxy, to uh, Star Wars, and in every single Stern game and in the dialed-in game, you just feel like you, you're, you're in the game and you're, you, you're like not just holding on for dear life, but you have a, a, a sense that you're actually playing and progressing through a pinball machine. And in, dial, in, in, sorry, in Houdini, I just feel like it just, you're just punished. You're punished so brutally in the game that it just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if that's going to be what people are looking for. Uh, and then the other part is, look, the, the, the overall appearance of the game is beautiful. Uh, I do think that the display, though, the animations on it, I, 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 they look a little like mid-90s clip art it, compared to what else is on the market. And I think that's an area they're going to need to improve in game number two. Now, we all know they got this game to market quickly, so we'll cut them some, some slack there. Uh, but it remains to be a game that uh, is is something that you're going to have to jump on. I, I, I wish I could jump on it and say, oh, man, I shot it. I loved it. The flow, the this, the that. You know, I can't make that recommendation. I have to give you guys my honest opinion of what happens when I play Houdini. And I think, is this because they didn't have a Whitewood or whatnot? I don't know. Is it because Stern games are too easy? I don't know. And open, you know, Stern's got like a lot of Stern games, like very open play field. Like there's more of a, you know, there, there's more of an ability to feel like you're going through the game. And Dialed In is a game where the sh if you look at the shots and Dialed In next to Houdini, they're like so much more open to hit. Uh, the other part that I think they need to work on with Houdini is you need to be able to get into a mode sooner. It takes too long to get into a mode. 
And in dialed in, it's so easy to explain. You hit the electrical guy, then you hit the cell phone, you're in a mode, boom, you're there. Super simple. Nothing, and, and you can't make a mode a tough shot to start. Like that just can't be the way a game goes. All right, but that's, you know, that's up for you guys to play more Houdini and, and figure, figure out whether it's the game for you. All right, let's talk about some pinball news quickly, and then we'll go into your user mail, all right? All right, so do we think that later today Stern is going to re reveal details about Iron Maiden pinball? And it, this all comes from a Facebook post in which uh, Stern said that Brian Q. Quinn of Impractical Jokers is going to have a special message about Stern's next hot pinball title. Tune in Saturday to the Stern Pro Circuit to see. All right, so do I think that Stern is going to reveal anything important about Iron Maiden today by the Impractical Jokers on a Saturday? The answer is absolutely not. The, the, you guys are like, I can't believe how fooled and easily fooled people are. I mean, let's think about it for a minute. Does Stern ever reveal a pinball machine on a Saturday? Do they ever do that? Why? That's stupid. It's, it's, Saturday is a dead media day. Has Stern in their past releases not had some sort of exclusive with like IGN or a media outlet? They always do. A media outlet never wants to put up new news on a Saturday. It's like a dead day. So that's not going to be, we're not going to see the game today. We're not going to, all we're going to get today probably is some stupid joke by these guys. They're called the impractical jokers and they're probably going to make a joke about, um, you know, titanium man or something silly along those lines. I just don't think we're going to see anything substantial about Iron Maiden today. Some people are like, well, this is genius marketing from Stern because Spooky Pinball is going, the order banks for Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle are going to open up on Monday and Stern's going to cock block them and show their game today. And that's great marketing. And, and look, I don't know about you guys, but I'd be pretty pissed off if Stern didn't show anything at uh, TPF, which is this humongous pinball show, and then is just going to do it on a, a, a stream using the Impractical Jokers guy? No, it's not happening that way. I, I, I almost, like, almost want to guarantee it. I'd be super shocked if we see that happening today. All right, speaking of spooky, Monday is a really big day for, for Charlie and Spooky Pinball, and that is when the order banks will open up for Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle. And I, I look, I've been reading the thread and I, I'm seeing a lot of people excited for this game. It is by far Spooky Pinball's best game to date in terms of overall package. I mean, it, it's got the best design. It's got the best artwork. It's got the best um, sculpts. It's got the best toys. It's got the best everything. I mean, they put everything they know into this game. And I think they went above and beyond what people probably were expecting from Spooky Pinball. Now, the bar at Spooky wasn't the highest. Let's, let's be honest here. And I've said this before. I mean, they needed to like raise the bar. And I think they definitely raised the bar. Uh, and the order banks are opening for 500 of them. And it's going to be an interesting Monday because I emailed Charlie to ask him how exactly it's going to work. Uh, they probably, I'm, I'm, I might be wrong here, and Charlie might clarify, they probably may offer... Uh, the game first to their loyal customers. And they've done that in the past, that people who bought uh, uh, America's Most Haunted were first to get dibs at Rob Zombie. Some even got the, the Rob Zombie limited editions. Because there is no limited edition of Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle, uh, I think, you know, if you look at it, 
there are ostensibly 300 maybe 450 at most spooky pinball buyers to date you could also add even even more people who bought total nuclear annihilation uh, so how will the order banks work for this game will earlier buyers get first dibs will it be a free-for-all will um will cat's email be inundated with people saying i want one i want one i want one and then the question becomes how does it work? Do you give a thousand dollars deposit on day one and that's non-refundable? So if you say you want one, you definitely want one. Or does that deposit get, uh, do they ask for that at a later date when people can see more of the gameplay of, 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 the, of Alice Cooper? Now, I think you're going to have to ask for deposits early because I don't think what you can do, what you don't want to do is that 500 people on a list that aren't really sure and, and then you tell everyone else the list is full and then those people go and buy something somewhere else. And then a lot of those people, you know, maybe some of those people bail off the list and then you have to struggle to find new buyers. Now, do I think they're gonna have trouble buying, or sorry, tr trouble selling all 500 Alice Cooper Nightmare Castles? Uh, I, here's the thing, I, I don't, but I also have a few questions. Okay, how many of these will be purchased by distributors? And I think a lot will. You gotta be, tell me that, uh, you know, anyone who distributes spooky pinball games, those distributors must be putting in for a decent amount of this title. I don't think they're as, gonna be as worried that this thing's gonna sit around like a, like a Rob Zombie. Uh, I don't think you're gonna see anyone flipping this game for more money than, than the, the MSRP. I, I, I don't. Uh, I think if you want one, you'll be able to get one. The other question is how long will uh, Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle be on the production line? So, you know, that's the thing too is hype is really strong right now and people are going to really want to get one right now because there is going to be that fear of missing out, especially if Charlie says, all he's got to say is this, I have more than 500 names on a list for this game. If you are interested, give us your name and we'll put you on a, a reserve list or a wait list, right? That's all he has to say. And watch that wait list fill up and fill up and fill up because nobody in this hobby ever wants to feel like they're left out or they can't get one. Now, I'm here to tell you that don't worry about that because we all know that distributors will have this game for sale. Distributors will, will have this game in box for sale at some point you will be able to get in Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle if you want one, all right? I think, uh, you know, Charlie's probably gonna be making these games for like a year or 18 months, and a lot of other titles are coming out too. Like, as much as like right now, it feels like the only new pinball game coming out, we know that we're gonna see Iron Maiden, we know we're gonna see Deadpool, we know we're gonna see Munsters, we know we're gonna see Beatles, and we may even see Pirates of the Caribbean this year. Uh, but it, in a, an exciting day for Charlie on Monday, and, and I wish them luck. And I think it's going to be fun to sort of check out their inbox on, on Monday morning when it's just inundated with people wanting to get on the list for this game. And I have to say, if you do get this game, and I've said this before, if you need to order the butter cabinets, you, I take it from someone who's seen it in person. It is the best $1,000 you can spend in pinball the best thousand bucks. You need to order it that way. All right, speaking of Pirates of the Caribbean, it's starting to sink in, no pun intended, that Pirates of the Caribbean will not ship until August of 2018. Now let's count that on our hands. April, May, 
June, July, August. Okay, so at the earliest, we're looking at five months from now is when Pirates of the Caribbean will start to go on the production line. All right, now let's ask ourselves, when did Jack reveal this game to the world? And remember Jack said before dialed in, I'm not going to reveal a game again until it's ready to ship. Those were Jack's own words. He revealed Pirates of the Caribbean in early October, November, December, January, February, March, April. Okay, so seven months ago. Which means revealing it at Expo in 2017 seems like it was a big mistake. And, and the reason why is it, it, you're never going to get people as excited in August as you did when you first revealed it. And, and, and that's just the reality of, of marketing and reveals. And I, I just feel bad for all the people working on this game because I feel that this was just piss poor marketing from Jersey Jack Pinball. They should have known. Nobody knows their schedule better than they do. So what made Jack in October say, I have to go out now? And again, it just, it just, I can't for the life of me figure this strategy out. And I think he doesn't even listen to his own advice when it comes to like, I'm not going to show game in, until it's ready to ship. You know, people want to buy it, but people, they, they think about it. They get the, and here's the other part too. They get to play it. They get to play it at shows. They, you know, then they start to think about newer things. Like, you know, you're going to lose orders. You're not going to gain orders. And then, you, of course, we've got the shills who are, will always chime into the thread and be like, I want Jersey Jack to take as much time as possible uh, so they can get it right. I, I'd rather they get it right than release it when it's not ready. Now, the question is, are they not releasing it because it's not ready? Or are there more sort of financial reasons as to why this game is being delayed? I'm starting to hear more rumors like that again, that all is not good. All is not good um, in JJP land, but we'll see. We'll see. I think um, the other part that we all forget is that the Pirates of the Caribbean movie, the last one came out a long, long time ago. They totally missed syncing this release up with the film itself. So... I just think everything at, at Jersey Jack is like extremely delayed. And I thought they were back on track with uh, hitting the, the release windows. But clearly, clearly something happened here that we don't quite have all of the information we need to say for certain what it was. But something's wrong if Pirates is coming out in August. All right. That's not a time when you want to release a game. In the summertime when everyone's spending money on vacations and traveling, I think August is probably one of the worst times to ask people for their money. Um, okay, let me go from there. Uh, just, just so you guys know, think about it. What, what big movie theaters, or sorry, what big movies come out in August? They don't because people are traveling. People are focused on other things. People are spending money elsewhere. It is a dead month when it comes to sales for stuff. Uh, all right, so something else that happened that was kind of like, what the F? We never can really just... Uh, we never can just have a great week with Highway Pinball. There always has to be something that happens in Highway Pinball land that just makes us scratch our heads. So the last thing that happened was someone got an email from them, and I want to read it. It said, I am contacting you. This is from Highway Pinball to a customer. It says, I am contacting you today with potentially good news. We have had a customer drop out from the production schedule of the Alien Pinball LE. This means that we will be able to get a machine to you sooner rather than later. 
if you would like to take advantage of this situation, that would be great as we can fulfill your order sooner rather than later. If you could please contact me promptly if you would like to take advantage of this situation, the trim color that we will be able to offer you is green as this is the color that the machine has been produced in. We can certainly add your unique LE number to the machine. To fully take advantage of this opportunity, we would require that the remaining balance be settled for the machine plus shipping. Thank you for your time and I hope to hear from you promptly and your decision on this opportunity. Well, what a great opportunity that Highway Pinball is giving their customer, right? This is amazing until another customer chimes in and says, I got the same bullshit email. And then another customer came in and said, I also got the same email. And then someone came in and said, is Highway Pinball's communication being run by a Nigerian prince, right? We've all gotten those spam emails from a Nigerian prince promising us, uh, you know, send money now kind of things. And this is the problem. This is the problem. These guys are so ignorant to how forums work and how people will share information. I can't believe they are sending emails like this out there. This is a last desperation attempt to try and get new money into the system. Because here's the thing, people who want refunds are not getting refunded. People who already bought, already bought their alien pinball machines with green trim, like old buyers are not getting their games. And yet this new game miraculously is available now for purchase at full price. And they're sending these emails to new buyers to buyers who are cutting the line, all right? And I just think I'm, I'm tired of this company. I'm over their shenanigans. Everyone sees right through it. They're not gonna make it. They're gonna keep doing this crap over and over and over again. You know, it's funny because I saw that Brad, our friend Brad, Blake's friend in Texas, then he posts pictures of his brand new machine that they sent him that he swapped out with Cointaker. Something that nobody should forget is that Brad cut the line to get his original prototype machine at Texas Pinball Festival last year. He walked up with cash and bought the machine from Cointaker and that ostensibly let him cut the entire line of people who were waiting for their machines. And now he gets a new machine uh, and he cuts the line again. You guys who gave Andrew Highway money in 2014 are still waiting for your games and now they're pulling off this email scam saying there's green trim LEs available uh, and you can have it if you pay in full today. That's bullshit. What happened to the guys who bought their machines years ago, Highway Pinball? Why aren't they getting their machines? Why don't people have uh, much more information on when containers are going out, when ships are heading out to Cointaker. It's absolute garbage that they're sending this stuff out. And I'm embarrassed for them. I'm embarrassed for Dave Sanders. I'm embarrassed for people working there trying to pull a fast one on people. We weren't born yesterday and you have no trust anymore. And if you're gonna do stuff like this, you might as well just stick a fork in these guys, all right? All right, let's go on. Let's go to emails, because then I gotta get Bub out the door. We've had a lot. I'm trying to see where we last read emails from. So, all right, let's start with, let's see, Tim Purcell, right? I think Tim wrote, 
Chris, I love, first, I love your podcast. I've listened to all the others and yours is the best by a mile and I'm not surprised by the Twippy. First, I attended the American Pinball Seminar and was disappointed to see that there was no media coverage that I could see. What a shame considering, he's talking about TPF, what a shame considering they are shipping um, games the quality is outstanding. The owner was there as well as the entire design team. They recognized the entire team back home in Chicago and thanked them publicly. They stressed that they are here to stay and will provide superior customer service. They did not take pre-order money. The designer, Joe, is personally checking games coming off the line. The coder, Josh, is regularly communicating on Pinside. They shared how many games they have shipped, 100 to date. They gave away free Houdini t-shirts, um, and they were humble in every way, right? He then says, I'm just blown away at the contrast between American Pinball and Stern. I attended Stern's presentation as well. I enjoyed the Development Lab slideshow. I loved hearing Gomez's career story and like, and like Stern machines, but think all the differences. George was all alone. Not one other Stern team member was present. George slammed the media hard. Wow. He actually called the content bullshit. Stern suffers from incomplete code. Stern does not communicate well at all. Stern is secretive about numbers. Stern did not give away anything. Um, all right. Well, here's the thing. And then he said, a bit of info on Batman 66 Super Ali. I waited until the Stern seminar was over and asked George about our names in the Batman 66 Super Ali. I have one too. He said that it was an issue, that it was not caused by Stern, but by the licensor, and that they hoped to get it worked out. This ties into my comments above. If you know this, just tell us. Closing thoughts. The industry promoters and media need to do a better job at celebrating the behaviors that we all wish were more prevalent in the hobby. When a pinball company ships games as they promise, like American Pinball, be there to celebrate it, promote it, and marketing speak, make it famous. Um, when a pinball company communicates well, hold that up as the preferred standard. Make it known as for more. Uh, I know that you do this well. Your comments about the show promoters pushing for seminar attendance are spot on. If the presenters are taking the time, let's get an audience. All right, so Tim, there's a lot you said here. I wanna summarize. You basically said that American Pinball did a lot during their seminar that we should applaud. They brought everyone on stage. They felt like a company that was humble, that you know gave us um, gave a lot of effort to making their seminar special. George Gomez went up by himself as a representative of the biggest pinball company in the world. All right, and you also said that George Gomez gave you information about Batman Super LE. Uh, these are different things that I keep hearing. I hear something different from him that I hear from Lyman. I don't know why it's so hard to get the user, the, the buy, the call outs from Adam West for people. I don't know why it's so hard to get them that stuff. Let me, let me pause there for a minute. Adam West not only recorded, uh, a call out for your game. He also recorded every Batman super LE owner, a voicemail recording that they could use for their phone. It's like, you know, like Matt's away from his phone. Like you've reached the bat phone. Like, and it's all done from Adam West. He's busy playing pinball. Like it's awesome. You know what? They didn't give the buyers those things. 
So if you bought a Batman Super LE, there is a voicemail that Adam West recorded for you that you should have. A few owners have it, but not all. And that, I, I just, I don't understand that. I don't understand too why, you know, George is saying it's a licensing issue. Lyman didn't say that. Lyman said the issue is it's hard for him to know who's got which machine. So who, you know, he's got all those callouts and they can be coded in. But here's the thing, Lyman's going to have to code a specific code, 80 different different 80 different downloadable files so that individual person can put their individual callout into their individual machine and they, that's just going to take time and I don't know if they're going to allow him to do that but I just feel like they're not being honest um, as far as this Tim when you say when a pinball company ships games and they are as they promise um, be there to celebrate it promote it in marketing speak make it famous okay so what I don't I don't know what you mean by promote it okay so here's the thing it's like Everyone should ship what they promise, right? Every manufacturer out there has an obligation to hold up to their end of the bargain. So when they say, we're going to make this game, we're going to ship it during this date, and it's going to be this much money, I really hope they stay true to all that. But as a pinball, I don't know if you're saying, like, we should promote these games because, look, American Pinball delivered when they said they were going to do it. Um, but if a company delivers a game and it's not good, I'm not going to promote it. I'm not going to say you have to go buy it. And I don't think we have to celebrate every single new pinball venture that happens. I, I'm not coast-to-coast -coast pinball. I, 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 do I think all pinball is, is good pinball? No. Do, do I think that all pinball machines um, are fun? No. Do I think that all pinball companies are great? No. Uh, you know, do I think more pinball in the world is a good thing? Yes. I do think that more pinball in the world is a good thing because I think it expands the hobby. But much like everything else I'm into in life, I don't like all cars. I don't like all movies. I don't like um, all dogs. <laughs> you know, I, I don't like all pinball machines. And I, and I won't just say I like it because I'm trying to help new companies survive. That's, that's not the role of this podcast. And as I said before, in other industries, what manufacturers do to get media to tell better stories about their products is they give those media more intimate experiences with the products. We don't get that at TPF. We don't get that from manufacturers. And so we're on, we're, we're on the outside. So I'm going to say whatever I, I feel like, and, I, I, and it's just going to be my own, like, my own opinion. And if they want to give me more background on why things are the way they are, then they need to invite me there. I'm not going to uh, knock on their door, you know, when, and I know it's different industries, but you think an automaker like, like launches a car and doesn't take the top media to like a special track, talk to the engineers, go around with like the pro drivers and hear what went into it before they write their story. They don't just let them, they don't just, you know, Hey, go to a dealership and take a test drive and make up your mind on it. But that's what we get in pinball. But Tim, thank you for the email. It was, it was, it was a lot there. I appreciate it. All right. All right. I, I can't read Mark Felt's entire, he has an Arcade Expo field report. So Arcade Expo went on at the same time as TPF. Uh, and he sort of, okay. So he ranked the manufacturers in order. And I want to, I'll just read down those rankings. He said number one was Stern. They had 10 brand new Star Wars there for people to play. An ACDC vault. 
Oh wait, no, ten plus brand new. Wait, there could were there ten Star Wars machines there? That there might have been. Um, Arcade Expo has all the latest Stern machines. They got a ton of play. They probably sold a few. All right. Ultimately, why should Stern talk about Iron Maiden or even unveil it when these players are just getting acquainted with the last three to four Stern machines? So that's a good point that that Mark makes. Is that you know, only as diehards who follow forums and podcasts do we really understand uh, which games are new, how old other games are. Like most most people would walk up to an Aerosmith and you could tell them it came out last week and they'd be like, oh, cool, I didn't know that. Like they just don't know. So at these bigger sort of gaming shows and conventions and expos, um, yeah, majority of people have no clue if something's new or old. He then ranks Spooky as number two. There was no Alice Cooper there, but they had Domino's, Rob Zombie, America's Most Haunted, and TNA. Um, clearly, people love TNA. So he's got Spooky. Then he has American Pinball third. They brought one Houdini, and there was a line to play it the whole time. I played it twice, and I have to say it's an outstanding first effort and is a decent offering. Um, nothing like the word decent, right, to get your blood boiling. I think you need to be a really good player to consider the game because, yes, some of the shots are tight. Josh has to be careful about over-baking the software or else the experience is not going to be repeatable. Going into modes should be informative and not annoying, and Josh is right on the edge, but I think he can do it. Software was very solid, and this is the key. If It is a real mechanical pinball. The stage rotates and opens, the cannon fires the ball, the trunk opens. Star Wars is kind of an interactive screensaver compared to Houdini. Also, you can buy it right now. All right. Number four was JJP. First of all, shout out to Jack for coming to the show and bringing two Pirates of the Caribbeans. He was really tired because of TPF. Um, let me see what he says. Good enough that Jack... Sh okay, no doubt dialed in is a very good game. Good enough that Jack should not have muddied the water with the premature launch of Pirates of the Caribbean. Maybe he is maxed out on dialed in orders, but it is sad to see a game like dialed in sh get shortchanged. Um, once... One, you can't buy it right now. It is clearly possible that you could take delivery of Houdini and Alice Cooper before you could get Pirates of the Caribbean. What is the point? To build hype, I just don't agree. 10 plus dialed in at the show would have been a much stronger statement and more lucrative for Jersey Jack Pinball because they would have sold more. Then again, the Pirates of the Caribbean Collector's Edition is sold out, so maybe Jack knows what is best. Um, two, Pirates of the Caribbean is way too complicated. From starting with way too many characters to choose from all the complexity of the rules, Keith Johnson is a moving, is a moving play field. <laughs> Wait, Keith, Keith Johnson is a madman. Sorry. I don't care that there are a billion combinations and never the same game twice. The game is less accessible because it is too much. Moving play field is very cool and the spinning discs are entertaining. Good layout, good flow. I struggle with the price point. I agree with you. JJP has yet to find the lightning in a bottle. Ironic because they have a ship in a bottle in this game, right, man? Um, so look, I just want to say the the... You know, first, Mark, thank you for this email. I, you said a lot about these manufacturers that we've been covering on this podcast. And I, I do agree that Pirates of the Caribbean, it, it, it can suffer from trying to do too much. And trying to explain that game to people with all those inserts going and all this stuff going on in the game, it's, it's not easy. It, there, no one is ever going to say this game is as easy to explain to someone 
as Tales of the Arabian Nights or Theater of Magic or or Monster Bash, you know, or Medieval Madness. I think there's 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 a higher level of, of learning that you need to go into this game. I think the 22 character selection thing is absolutely ridiculous. I, I don't understand why nobody told Keith, what are you doing, man? Just do the main characters. This is silly. Like, I don't know why you did this. It's like having Star Wars. Look at Star Wars. How many characters can you select from? Look at Batman. How many villains? Look at this. You know, what 22. This game has the most amount of characters in it that in probably than any pinball game in history. And is that a good thing? No, because you don't give a shit about anything more than like four of them. So I, I just think, it, it again, like, I don't know. See, that, that's my thing about Jersey Jack. It's like these guys are just like left to go do what they want. Like no one's overseeing and making executive decisions on some of these, I think, bad decisions. And yeah, I mean, look, if why Jack didn't bring 10 dialed ins to these shows and just let people keep enjoying them? Think about it like this. Dialed in just got voted by far the best pinball machine of 2017, uh, 2018 by the Twippy Awards. It was unanimously above and beyond the most celebrated game there was. Why not ride that wave and bring it to more and more shows and let more and more people change their minds on dialed in and put orders in because it's a phenomenal game. It's a phenomenal game. And, and, I, and I think it made no sense to pull the carpet out from underneath it. All right, let's go on to a few more emails because then I got to go get Bubba and there's a lot more here. All right, the Black Knight said, Chris, in comparison to the past, today's standards of revealing games is completely different than those that were done up until 2007. Meaning even after the Bally Williams change and Stern became the only manufacturer of pinball machines. Previous standards were quite simple. The game was provided as a complete product with nearly equivalent of 1.0 code. This was done to maintain support from operators and hardcore pinball collectors. Additionally, manufacturers provided a sneak peek of upcoming titles that were ready for release within the next six months after this flagship period as a teaser, whether playfields, drawings, or even prototypes. Today, the present method is used due to recognition of the lack of long-term viability which pinball is a product or small scale of manufacturers themselves within the target market with lack of experience. I don't even know, Chris, what sentence I just read. I don't even know what you just said. Okay, let me... This shows the vulnerability of new pinball sales in the future or companies trying to build a game with unfinished projects. Essentially, all new reveals are prototypes with the exception of Chicago Gaming Company, who learned many lessons from Medieval Madness Remake and made sure they did not repeat that error again. Hence, no CGC reveal at TPF. Keep flipping. All right. So look, I know what you're saying, that Stern reveals a game and it's not even done yet. It's still a prototype. Um, I'm just talking about like the way these games are revealed, though. My big gripe is I think they're just revealed in a piss-poor way. Whether the game's finished or not, I still think you can reveal it much better. Yes, I, I do also think people should only reveal games, Chris, when the game is finished. I think it makes absolutely no sense to, to do it the other way. All right, I got an email from... from um, Kvan99 said, I listened to what Gomez said about you, as did Charlie. So what is the analysis? Well, I think they're facing a new type of pinball enthusiast podcaster. They're used to shills that would cheer anything that resembled a pinball machine and congratulate them on their subpar efforts. So don't shift gears now. Don't forget that we are listening because we largely agree about those things. Besides, 
Gomez only has himself to blame. He's chiefly responsible for the quality sliding at Stern. His singular vision is not great pinball, it's cost savings. Besides, we are ranting and raving long before your show about it. Well, thanks, K-Van. Um, I appreciate the email. Um, look, I don't think they're used to a podcast like this. I think people listen to this podcast because we are honest. We are not in this to to win over friends and favor from any of these manufacturers. And and I think that's my audience. I, I, I think you're going to hear some things that other, other podcasts wouldn't dare say um, because they want to go up at shows and 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 be hugged and handshaked by these gentlemen at these companies. You know, look, Steve Ritchie's not seeking me out to say hi. Some people out there, like, to them, like, Steve Ritchie's a god. To them, like, George Gomez and Gary Stern are, like, gods. Lyman Sheets is a god. They, they treat all these people like they're deities. Um, and I'll tell you this. I, to me, they're not. Like, I don't worship any of these individuals. I think they're amazingly talented people. I respect them. But if they do something that isn't correct, I'm going to call them out on it. And I don't think they should get a, a blank pass um, just because they're making pinball machines. I'm not trying to drive them out of business. Nothing I say is going to alter like whether or not people buy or don't buy these games. Uh, but I think it can improve the way these companies communicate with the pinball world. And I also think some of what I do uh, might get them to think twice about cutting corners and also how they deal with, with, with different people in the pinball media because I do think the pinball media is a real thing. And I also think you guys see right through it when, you know, when like Nate and Jack Danger, who do great, great pinball content, clearly, clearly are really good friends with the people at Stern, even to the point now where like it, it, it's almost impossible for them to say something that's not positive about Stern. And, and you ultimately get forced into being almost like you're on their payroll. Like you have to cheerlead them because of your position with them. And you, you are guaranteed that Canada is on nobody's payroll other than my bosses. All right, I got an email from Tim Went. And Tim said, Chris, you know I love it when you talk about marketing and your ideas for doing product reveals were pure gold. I doubt Charlie is listening, but if he did, he received some extremely valuable marketing advice for free. Charlie, if you're listening, I'm telling you, as someone with a lot of education and experience using marketing techniques, Canada knows what he's talking about. A um, couple other things I'll point out about the Alice Cooper reveal. I have visited Charlie and Benton and he explained the non-refundable model. I agree with Charlie and here's my assessment of his non-refundable deposit policy. One, Spooky got burned taking refundable deposits. Two, while non-refundable deposits are not ideal, it does mitigate risk. Three, Spooky has no way to accurately predict future sales. His company is too young and one mistake could sink Spooky. Four, Spooky can't afford to sit on an inventory of hundreds of mustard-colored, powder-coated legs. Five, Spooky makes in batches of 50 pre-sold units. Spooky can order parts in bulk for those 50 units, thus limiting his inventory exposure. And finally, as a batch is committed, the money is collected to pay the invoices. Spooky's doing it right. Charlie is not interested in taking on the risk of competing with Stern. He's growing at a pace that suits his family's goals and tolerance for risk. Um, after the butter cabinets, while they are beautiful, the finish is also very fragile. Charlie told me that they don't want to ship the butter cabs as they scratch very easily. He preferred you pick up at the factory. I didn't know that. That's interesting, Tim. 
Canada, sometimes you talk like $1,000 is nothing. My income is in the top 10% in the US. $7,000 for my Houdini was really pushing it for me. I can't see paying $1,000 for butter cabinet finish that most people won't see. There is a breaking point on price and mine's at $6,000. I have to see extreme value to push beyond that for a toy. One last note, Houdini number 98 is in the house and it freaking rocks. It's brutal, but a blast. The shots are hard, but I'm but I'm a crappy player, but I'm slowly finding where the shots are on the flipper. I think Josh needs to loosen up the default rules so that the below average players like me on location novices will have great initial experience, but great freshman effort by American Pinball. Okay, Tim, thank you so much. And look, there you go. An American Pinball owner who's loving the game, who's kind of saying exactly what I'm saying, but in a much more positive way because he's having many more experiences with the game. And I think he's saying is like, maybe the code can make the game much more enjoyable and accessible. Um, look, I know I say that $1,000 is nothing. If you collect pinball, if you buy pinball machines, I do think $1,000 shouldn't mean that much to you. Um, I also, look, I wouldn't get the butter cabinet if you're going to slide the game in between other games. There's no point in upgrading to nicer cabinet art if you never see it. But I'll say this, if you're going to see it, show it off. I would show off that butter cabinet. Also, the front decal, which you see most of the time, looks much better on the butter cabinet. So look, we, we all make different amounts of money. We all decide at what point we're, we're able to buy pinball machines, at what point we're not. I think all of us out there should ask our financial advisor, at what point should I be able to buy a pinball machine? Don't ask Canada. Don't ask Tim Went. Ask your financial advisor. Looking at my balance sheet, can I go buy a $6,000 pinball machine? They'll give you the most honest answer. All right. So Scott Drager uh, hit me up. Scott said, I would love um, to hear Crash Diet recorded properly. However, I'm equally glad that GNR never properly recorded It Tastes So Good, Don't It? Oh, my God. That's a rap that he used to do doing Rocket Queen. See, I know my GNR. All right. So Scott and I are going to talk marketing. Um, it's going to be fun. We're going to get him on the show soon. I, I said in my, his last email that I would get him on. All right. I got an email. Canada Podcast Swag from Nigel. Nigel, hey, Chris, if you're looking for a shirt idea, how about who died and made you Canada? Nigel, that, that's a good one. We might have to get that one on there. Um, another email from K-Dog, from Jeff S. He said, hi, Chris, you coming through Atlanta again. Heard your podcast recently mentioning you had a few days in Atlanta on a pitch. If you ever um, plan on having a free night and want to come over and check out my collection and make a podcast on the road, let me know. Jeff. Well, Jeff, I may just do that because I can actually officially say that we won the, the, the piece of Coca-Cola business that I was pitching that last Monday. So I will be down in Atlanta a lot more. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this has been fun, but I have to go because I have to take the big boy to the vet. I hope you enjoy this podcast. If you want to give me any feedback, it's canadapinball at gmail.com. We'll talk to you soon. Hi.